0: Oh, there we go. Took forever for the live stream to come up. How's everybody doing? What's happening, Dax? What's up, man? Ah, here we go, now we're starting to get some people in. What's for lunch? You're eating crow as usual? Uh, What's happening, Acme? Uh, what did I have for lunch? I had a bologna sandwich with uh, pepperoni on it and some lettuce and then um, I have an apple going. And I stopped and picked up this here kombucha because I'm addicted to these things. So I drink one every once in a while. Let's talk about the lumber prices. Lumber is incredibly volatile. Um, had somebody asked me the other day, it was just like, what's going on with these lumber prices? How come I see them moving like $45 in a day, but then I don't see it moving for the rest of the afternoon or the rest of the day. Obviously, there's some sort of manipulation happening here. Um, those are limit down, or just limit orders in general. Um, so basically, what they do is they, they prevent, like it's like a circuit breaker. It keeps the markets from being too volatile. So um, so basically, they only allow for a certain amount of uh, price movement in a day. and they pretty much say that's it. You can't go any further than this. And then if you want to trade farther down tomorrow, that's fine, but you're done for the day. So that's what's experienced what we've been experiencing for the last probably what? seven, eight, nine trading days or so. Pretty much since the uh, January contract closed and the what is the January March contract is the one that we are looking at now and that was the other question like how come it went from like twelve twenty per thousand up to thirteen hundred and fifty per thousand overnight and that was pretty much because what you are looking at is one contract closing and then the other one opening well not opening up it's already it's already been trading, but that's the one that becomes the current spot month, so January contract, when it closed on the 14th, it normally closes on a 15th, but it closed on Friday on the 14th, that's what everybody was looking at as far as the prices, but then on Monday morning, the March contract was the one that everybody was looking at for the spot month, and that was up at around 13 I think it was like 1330, I think or something like that when it opened up but then it quickly, uh, it quickly started selling off, and now we're just under 900 per thousand, and this is going to continue until we find equilibrium. So, I would imagine that the higher prices slowed down sales, inventory rise, and then we have you know the prices selling off now to try and get that inventory moving. And it is something that I am hearing, um, through the rumors anyway, that a lot of these mills they have inventory, but it's getting it away from the mill that's like actually trying to find the transportation for getting this a lot of this material out especially I think it's really kind of um, happening more in like the OSB market like that is the one that's really difficult to try and transfer throughout the rest of the uh throughout the rest of the nation as far as getting it supplied and when you have an issue with OSB both in the manufacturing and in the, the distribution of it it just puts a lot of pressure on plywood so right now we have a lot of pressure going on in plywood as well the retail prices are quite elevated. I mean, you're looking at, you know, half inch CDX, at least for the yard that I work at, we're selling it for $45 a sheet. And two by four, 10 standing and better, that's going for like 10, or I'm sorry, two by four eights standing and better is going for like $10 a sheet. So, or $10 a piece. Man, I can't talk today. So the, the prices are quite elevated. And, as we see the future prices come down, you will see the retail follow, but it's gonna take some time. And that's one thing that I have like mentioned to quite a few people, that if you are closer to a distribution hub that does a lot of rollover, like they move a lot of their, their inventory, they're gonna have access to that cheaper material quicker than, say, you know way out here on the coast. Like, the farther and more remote the yard, and the less inventory they turn over, the higher the prices are gonna stay when they when the future prices come down. So that's one thing that if you're if you're looking for the cheaper prices, that's you know basically where you have to kind of go to, to look for it. But like I said, this is gonna continue for, for some time until we find the equilibrium on it. And now I would think that, you know, a normal price, at least the prices that I see where people are willing to pay willing to pay and go out and buy is around 800 per thousand like somewhere between 6 and 800 per thousand seems to be the sweet spot for the most amount of sales that people are willing to accept. And I don't know how far down this current sell-off is going to go, but I would assume that it's probably going to run into that zone if not below it for a short time, but then eventually it's going to be back up into elevated prices again as, you know, as this continues and we are going to see this bounce back and forth from oversupply to undersupply probably for a while for like it could take years to to work through this it might happen you know it might end sooner than that and you come to a more steady price but as far as i can tell right now it's going to be it's going to stay quite volatile for some time you know going into into the next couple of years so anyway what are you guys talking about can you turn the rain down why is it loud Did you sell the house, the Toyota, huh? Yeah, funny, no, I still have the Toyota. Just wanted everyone to know that I dropped out of the ninth grade, got lucky, blessed in my 20s after partying and drugs used now. I'm retired at 35 with no mortgage, true story, life isn't fair. Wow, yeah, Um. that is not even close to what my life looked like. I mean, except for the drugs and alcohol part. No burrito today. No, I actually ate a sandwich, but I did go and buy a booge, so, I mean, there's that. Yeah. You make me miss Oregon. We moved to Hillsboro to Austin, Texas. Yeah. Thank you, man. What is the current price of the sheet of half inch CDX in your region? We're selling it for $45 a sheet for half inch 5-ply. Bro, please tell me you've seen the satire video I made of you. No, I didn't. Why don't you uh, go ahead and email me a link? What do you guys got going on here? Email. Over, <laughs> uneducatedeconomist.com Or at, 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 at gmail.com I missed the front portion of the video. Should we be expecting lumber prices up or down? I would imagine that um, as you're watching these future prices, just from some of the the sell-off that we have experienced over the last week or so, last two weeks, I could only assume that we are going to see some more sell-off, more selling pressure until we get under that, you know somewhere under around 800 per thousand is when we're going to start seeing the support again but it could drop all the way down to four or five hundred per thousand i don't really think it's going to go that far but it could um i would imagine more is going to be like you know somewhere between six and eight is where it's gonna is where it's gonna bounce off of just because like that's where a lot of people start coming in to buy and you know they're willing to pay that price so You need some blue dice for that vehicle. Yeah, I need to actually put the mirror up, too. I got the mirror. But somewhere around here. My boy was playing with this. So. Yeah, the damn mirror fell off of there. I need to get some glue for it. How long does it take for retail prices to reflect lumber future prices? Um... So I just kind of talked about that. It really depends on your um, your location, where you're buying from. If they have a high turnover rate, then you're going to have you're going to have lumber prices moving more in line with the futures. Like for us it's going to take like weeks, even months before we really are able to see like the the true effects of it. Unless you start turning over a lot of material, you know, if people start coming in, see, that's the thing. When the prices are going up, they kind of, you know, they don't really notice it as it's moving up. And then once it gets up to these high prices, people are like, oh, man, I'm backing off. And then as the prices come down, they wait until they see some sort of bottom or until they're ready to start doing their project again. So it's hard to say how long it takes for the retail prices to start, you know, showing those future prices or reflecting from the future prices coming down. But you know, for us, like I said, it takes you know it takes a few weeks, if not months, to to really you know, sh- at least on most of like two by four eights and in, in plywood, if you're rolling that stuff over, if you're if you're turning it over quite frequently, then you can adjust the prices down faster. But that's really what it takes is is how quickly your your distributor is moving through that product. And considering right now, there seems to be quite a bit of a building going on. Um, it's It's kind of surprising considering the time of year. And, you know, with the prices being elevated, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you think about it, like when people start these projects, they start them when they think that the lumber prices are down. By the time they get into actually purchasing them, then the lumber prices are moved back up. They really don't have any choice. You're kind of like, you know, you're in the game at that point. And backing off on the project would, is not an option. It's like pretty much you have to move forward with it. Simon, has the Canadian trucker situation started to affect lumber prices? It I, it could. I haven't heard anything yet. I've been waiting for that. Now, a lot of people have asked me to talk about the whole, you know, Canadian trucker protest and, you know, everything that's going on with it. I haven't. Only because I haven't personally heard anything from it. Everything that I have seen or have experienced seems to be you know, things that people have talked about happening, but as far as like actually f- having experienced anything from it, I haven't yet. And now I think there's probably less concern about the lumber industry when it comes to the to the trucker issue up there, because I believe that a lot of that lumber probably comes in by rail. Um, now, getting it from the woods to the mills and from the mills to the rails, that little chain of event, that might have some serious issue coming into it, but as far as like, you know, actually transferring lumber from Canada into the United States, I don't know if a lot of that is done on truck as opposed to rail. And then again, who knows what could happen from that. Thoughts? Student loan payments starting... The same time as supposed to rate hikes, will it affect the housing situation? Um, you know, I have. I used to. One of the things about like when they have such news that is so like prevalent, like when they put it out there, there's like, this is going to happen. This is like the idea. And they keep pushing and pushing and pushing it. The chances of that having a real impact really diminishes because people are prepared for it. Really what has the most profound impact is when people are not quite expecting it. Now, when you have something like the the lockdown, that Like, I mean, I think a lot of people were anticipating like there was going to be something that was going to happen. I don't think anybody anticipated that it was going to take two years to work through. I mean, I joke around all the time about like, you know, every single day when I come in and because I have to wear a mask at work. Right. So every single day I ask the same question. Are we still wearing these things? I thought it was two weeks to flatten the yield curve. I mean, I say it like every time. Nobody laughs at the joke no more. Right. But it's the irony behind the whole thing. It was like, there's, you know, it was only going to be a temporary thing and yet it didn't turn into a temporary thing. It turned into a very permanent thing. And that's the, and that's the whole, and that's really where the question starts to come in is that why did they, why? Was it really to try and stop this illness from, you know, running rampant through the country because it seems to be doing that right now. Right, But yet there was so much change to the way the banking industry is operating, to the amount of monetary policy that was inflicted, fiscal policy. All these changes started to take place. And it really, it came from something that they tried to stop that didn't get stopped, right? I mean, it's, it's running like, I mean, I know people who are completely vaccinated and still getting sick, like gotten You know, they've gotten it twice. So I'm not trying to be like neither here nor there on, you know, people's personal decisions. But the impact that the government took, whether it was a reaction or overreaction, was, was forever changing to the way the economy is handled. There was a lot of things that the Federal Reserve stepped up and started doing that a lot of people had no idea. Like I didn't have any idea that the special purpose vehicles were gonna be deployed in such ways. And it had, I mean, I think if people had known what it was that the Federal Reserve was going to do in conjunction with the treasury and the government as far as you know the stimulus packages and stuff like that, I honestly think that if people had more of an idea of what was going to come, then it wouldn't have worked nearly as well. Like, being able to have this, like, shock and awe to the system in reaction to to a problem is really where the government and changes are truly made. Like, just trying to implement something doesn't really work very well. But to nail them, to say, we don't really have time to think about this. We have to just move forward. And that's, like, what everybody was, like... It seemed that's what the mainstream media was being like. I mean, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch anybody talk about anything. Like if they were talking about, I, I don't watch mainstream media, so I mean, I didn't see anything. But I heard people coming in telling me about all these numbers and all these facts and all these statistics and all this stuff about this, this, you know, illness and things that are taking place. And I and I asked them, I said, so did you go and research this yourself or are you hearing it from somebody? I mean, I go to the federal reserve and I look at speeches. I try and look at their monetary policy. I try to understand their monetary policy and I'm not listening to other people talk about it. I'm going and trying and finding, trying to find that on my own. I mean, that's where I think like a lot of people end up getting guided into into some of the things that they they believe and it's not it's not right or wrong but i just have a i have to question it was just like if you're constantly listening to somebody else's you know statistics do you know that's the accurate way do you know that's the the bias that you that you truly believe because I mean, I've seen some people who are so dead set in what they believe. And I'm thinking, man, that's that's a, that's a an incredible, hardcore belief. When you didn't really find that yourself, you heard somebody else say it. And, you know, are you coming to these conclusions, you know, by listening to other people? I mean, don't get me wrong. That's how we all come to information. I mean, you have to gather it from everybody and from everyone. But sometimes just... You know, when I hear somebody say something, I go and generally go and look it up. Like, you know, somebody says, you know, credit card debt is up to this. And they start doing, you know, start basing their facts off of it. I'll go and look and see if they were accurate about what they were saying about credit card debt. You know, it isn't that hard to do research on Google. I mean, you just ask Google anything you want and it'll tell you. Now, whether that information is worthy, if it's an opinion or not, is is up to you. Now, I have to give it. to to Google I mean I have to my my Google feed is geared to the things that I think and this is something interesting how much time do I have 19 minutes okay so this is something interesting I don't know how many people are still here 250 awesome alright so this is something interesting that I found with Google Um, I noticed that it really gives me feeds on things that I want to see and I I help it out like I try and was like I'm not interested in this article I like that article But what I found from Google is that not only does it like give me everything that I want as far as the articles that I'm looking for, but really unique articles from all over the world because, you know, I'm, I check out, you know, articles from everywhere, but then it starts giving me things that are not necessarily like what I'm looking for, but yet it's something that I've been like interested in or, or thinking about. And so I started messing with Google a little bit and I just started thinking about particular topics and then not like search for them, not talk about them or anything like that. Just think about it. And, you know, it's funny because it's coming close. Like I haven't got it to nail it just yet, but it's come really close. Google is trying to figure out what it is that I'm thinking about. And I found that very interesting. Like this algorithm is actually messing with me. And now I got to thinking about that a little deeper too. Because if I'm a good Googler, like if I if I pay attention to what Google is feeding me and I put those videos out, because I've done it before where like I'll find particular articles are, are coming in and I'll maybe like cover that in a video and I'll talk about the talk about that particular article and it'll get a really it'll get a lot of views like you know the YouTube algorithm starts picking it up and spreading it around I guess you know probably because it's a hot topic out there but I got to thinking about that a little bit and I'm like you know if I cover topics that Google is feeding me I get more views from it and then in turn I get more ad revenue from it as well so like Google is giving me stuff to try and put out there to try and spread so I got to thinking about that a little bit and it was just like, okay, so am I following Google's ideas? Like is Google giving me these ideas to put out here and put these videos together? So I started thinking about that a little bit and I started backing away from trying to find videos or trying to hit topics that people would want to like, like the hot topics out there. And started... Uh, just really focusing in on what I thought was interesting and not what Google was trying to feed me because I can see, you know, when particular topics are coming up. So I stayed away from those things purposely, like being mindful that I'm not going to cover those particular topics anymore. And sure enough, like the ad revenue and the, in the views dropped dramatically. Right. And I, and I'm thinking, okay, well, is it because I'm just not using like Clickbait titles, you know. So I used a few clickbait titles, and it does work. Like, if you, if anytime you ever use like housing and crisis in the same, you know, in this, in in, together in a title, you're almost guaranteed that you're going to get some views off of it. But it was watching that, watching that happen and knowing that it was taking place, it was, it makes me wonder how much people are guided by. Google even though they think that they're doing their own research like I feel like I'm doing my own research like I think of topics and I try to I try to find many sources of it I try to find like you know different articles try to come up with my opinions and most of the time I try to come up with stuff that's like clearly outside of the box like things that people are not thinking about You know being very contradictory to the mainstream narratives out there and purposely doing that You know because that's kind of how I operate anyway. I've always run against the grain but, yeah, having Google, like, recognize what it is that I was trying to think about or coming close to it and then also, like, feeding me, like, you know, if you want to make a lot of money, here, just follow what we're telling you to, to talk about out there. and We'll, you know, you can make all this ad revenue off of it. We'll spread your stuff all over the place. Knowing that taking place, it's like, it's a little like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it's like creepy or I don't know quite what the, what the term for it is. Like, you know, just being aware of it is just like, I think it's probably the biggest thing, but it is, um, it is weird. What are you guys talking about? Yes, there's keywords. It is the guided process. The free web ended back in early 2000. We should talk. Yeah. Um, rain rabbit. I, I knew, I knew this stuff was, was happening. I mean, that's one of the... I used to turn off, like, all my locations, all my Google stuff. Like, I was very in the... Um, I don't want to be track scene. I wanted to be anonymous kind of thing. And I realized that your Google experience is so much better when you turn all that stuff on. Like, all of a sudden, like, the things you want to use Google for works so much better. So, I turn it all on. Like, I turn all my locations on I turn everything on and I let them track everything as far as that goes what I use encryption for is messaging with my family I will not use anything else other than an encrypted messaging service when I am talking with my family that is my business that is not for anybody to be looking at or anything else but when it comes to everything else out there I I just gotten to the point. I just don't care. If you carry a cell phone with you, they are tracking you, whether you have your locations on or not, they're still going to track you. I mean, they're, and the worst part about it is, is that the harder that you try to stop it from happening, the higher up on the list you go uh, as far as they're like trying to figure you out. So you got to give them, give them, give them more than what they need. Like give them like an abundance. I give my, like I let, my kids like Google all kinds of stuff so that, you know, they're trying to figure out what the hell is this guy thinking about? But yet, you know, cause I got like the kids looking at cartoons or whatever it is. So, you know, I mean, just being aware of this stuff is probably the the key to it. Cause you're not going to be able to escape it. There's no way that you can't, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can, but it's just like, what is What a dull and cumbersome life you're going to end up living you know, living doing that. Who sent me the super chat by the way? Was that Adriana who sent me that? It was. Thank you very much, beautiful Adriana, for sending me the super chat. I don't know how much time I got left, guys, but I think I probably have to go back into work. Kind of an odd live stream today. Thanks for hanging out. I've got quite a few of you guys too. Two hundred and seventy three. That's way awesome. What time is it right now? I don't I can't turn my phone on. To look. Google hides search results and guides our thought process through subtle messages. See Dr. Epstein and Joe Rogan for the breakdown of the details. Yeah. See now, I mean, like I said, it's when you know what's happening, it's, it's different, right? I mean, because if you know, if you know what's happening, then Google, like, I mean, I'm sure Google probably recognizes that, you know, what's happening too, but then you, you start It's not like you just make fun of it and let it it go, right? To me, like I'm thinking, okay, well now I'm gonna start trying to mess with this algorithm. I'm gonna try and make the algorithm think differently about me or try and see if I can make the algorithm do things. See, a lot of people who don't recognize it or don't know what's going on, the thing works perfectly for them, right? It just guides them right into it and they just fall right into place of it. But when you start having people recognizing it happening, like, can you, can you, like, almost have, like, a civil disobedience in way against, against Google? I'm not sure if that's quite the, the right term for it, but it it seems like if they're trying to direct you, then you tried to direct it you know i don't know hey google what are the blue dice of life huh let's see china monitors their citizens and they know if they're going to buy a bottle of aspirin or advil just for a simple cold yeah what do you think about houston the cost of housing probably more affordable um yeah houston was a nice place man like you know i went down there i was only there for a few days but i was i was quite you know pleased with being down there um you know the people that i interacted with were absolutely amazing they were super kind the city, like, everywhere I went was, was clean. I mean, it was, you know, it was comfortable. Drove down to Galveston. Galveston was nice. Took a tour of Galveston, and it was, you know, it was really cool. Like, I, I enjoyed every bit of it. Like, I didn't have any displeasures about being in Texas at all. Um, again, I wasn't there but just a few days, and I didn't get to experience a whole lot. But what I did was was quite enjoyable. All right. Daily Esteran article response. I thought it was a pretty good good article myself. I think it turned out really well. Um you know, I have to give it there was a lot of people who came into the into where I work and, you know, started calling me famous and stuff and everybody like everybody I work with just loves that. They just giggle and tease me about that so bad because They watched me do this, like, everybody I work with watched me start this channel and build it up to where it is, and although they're, like, impressed with the level of achievement that I've made, they're not necessarily too, like, you know, fascinated by anything that I've done because I've just driven them nuts with talking economics so bad that anything that has to do with it, like, including the channel, they don't want anything to do with it, like, they are just done with it. It's kind of funny. I mean, they, you know, they like me and all, but it's just like, yeah, the it's like the YouTube channel, the uneducated economist, is something that they do not look at, you know. Do you think if lumber crashes, I'll be able to build a table? Um, you could build a table now. <laughs> Why do you need lumber prices to crash? It wouldn't be that much lumber. All right. Do you have a cardboard sign that reads? Live on top of your car. Wow. People are really teasing me today, man. What's up with that? Yeah. Plenty of sick people. So truth-toller's laughing. It's 1150. Thank you. No problem, Jose. Thank you. All right, I am not in need of lumber, but tired of price swings. Yeah, it's, I'm tired of the price swings too, but it's just the way it's gonna be. Seize for toilet seat, all right. What is it? Are you born close to October? No, I am not. Do you educate your kids on finance often? For example, buying a house, stocks. Um, So the older one, he's not terribly interested. But the younger one, um, my youngest boy, he's seven. And he is very interested in it. In fact, I've done some videos with him. You can go back and look. And he understands the difference between good debt and bad debt. And he also understands the difference between speculation and investment. And he was talking this morning. He says, "Hey, Dad, I want to do another video." So I'm not sure on what topic to cover, um, but it's quite impressive what what the little what the little guy has picked up um, just hanging out with with the old man here. Um, you know, it was kind of kind of cool. The uh, the last video we did together was a live stream, and he. Uh, we, in the questions from one of the um viewers was what did what's one of the biggest takeaways that you've you know gotten from your dad and he thought about it and he thought about it for a minute and he responds back, debt you know he understands debt he he really gets it and it's it's pretty impressive like he I don't think he quite understands it to the level of the extreme the extremeness that. You know exist out there in the world but he understands it on a personal level like he understands that you know when we moved into the house that we have to make 360 payments on that house and it blows him away he he asked me he says dad it's 30 years huh and I said yeah so you can imagine when you're getting up close to dad's age that's when you're gonna you know that's when this house will be paid for you and he still thinks about this like it's a lifetime you know and so he understands debt and and you know he understands the difference between taking out debt that's going to try and produce you an income and that is just something that I I don't even think like you know two-thirds of Americans could could quite explain to you and to have just the idea of understanding that that is even a concept out there for a seven-year-old I mean if we started training all our kids this way if everybody started educating their kids in in such manners. I don't think we would have nearly the issues that we have today. So, anyhow. All right, I'm gonna give you guys two more minutes and then I gotta go back to work. I would have given anything to have anyone in my life at a young age to educate me about business or economics. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't, like, I didn't learn anything. until I was in my thirties, like, and then even then it took me a while, so. All right, Uh, what are your favorite sources to evaluate macroeconomic trends? All right, so, when I go to do, like, I mean, I use Google, right? And that's the thing, we were just talking about it. Now, I use Google a lot, and what I will end up doing a lot of times is I will thank of things to that I want to research. And then I will try and find articles from many sources like just anywhere out there. And if I can find one that covers pretty much the basis of it, I don't want to like bombard the, you know, the viewers with, you know, 50 articles or whatever. So I usually just cut it down to this two or three and I'll put those ones out there for the idea of whatever it is that I'm trying to cover. But as far as just, Putting out their information and just looking for it. I usually end up searching through Google. I look for a lot of stuff that is being mentioned by the Federal Reserve. I like to follow monetary policy. Monetary policy is everything out there. You know, a lot of people get like, people give me a hard time when I tell them I don't follow politics. And in fact, people were giving me a hard time because. I was saying something about Trump the other day, but didn't like counter it with some, you know, thing, bullshit thing that Biden has done. I don't listen to Biden. I don't think I've ever listened to a single thing the dude has ever said. Not 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 a single thing. Like I don't find anything that he says important enough to occupy my mind with. So I just don't do it. And I don't know why it is that I need to follow politics. Because I was hardcore. before, I, When I was through my late 20s, I was a very hardcore conservative who watched the news like you wouldn't believe. And when everything crashed around me, and I lost it all, and I was listening to these talking heads t- telling me about who to blame and why there's problems in the world, and I realized that these guys are all in the same boat. Playing the same game. Like they are they are professional wrestlers. They want to tear each other's heads off in the forefront. But in the background, they all love each other. They are good friends. And that is exactly the way I see it. I do not trust politics. I do not trust politicians at all. Like I am not even interested in hearing a single thing that they have to say. But monetary policy is much different. That does affect the way you live. And if you understand monetary policy. And without the politics involved. There's a huge difference. Because most people want to involve their politics. Inside of this monetary policy. And I have yet. I have yet to see the Federal Reserve. Make decisions based on politics. I've never seen them make a decision. Based on the price of oil. Okay. Now. Politics may change the way the economy is run. It may change the way people behave. It may change a lot of stuff out there. But when it comes to monetary policy, it's all about what the Fed says and does. It doesn't matter what the politicians say. So I'm not interested in politics anymore. I'm interested in monetary policy. I'm interested in what it is that the Federal Reserve plans on doing because that is what's important to me. All right. I got to go. Uneducated economist. You guys let me know.